exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down I'm C.J. Layton coming to you from inside the Phantom Radio Studios in Lake Wales, Florida home of the premier radio bowling talk show. Long ago, Bowler's Journal International called Phantom Radio a pioneer in the field of bowling podcasts because the show was regularly scheduled at the same time each week. The late Kegel owner, the great John Davis, told Len Nicholson to start this program because, quote, people need to know what you know, end quote. This PBA and Bowling Writer Hall of Famer has now recorded over 1,200 shows and has featured over 425 guests since 2002. 20 years plus of bowling knowledge, story sharing, and true expertise. Phantom, we need to know what you know. So Phantom fans, here's your host, Len Nicholson, The Phantom. Well, thank you, CJ. And a reminder that Phantom Radio is presented by the Kegel Company, the number one lane maintenance company in the world. For all of your lane maintenance needs, including 24-hour technical support, you can always rely on the Kegel Company. So go to kegel.net. Well, Phantom fans, for those of you that follow our show, you know that recently we have been following up with our original promise made when we first started this podcast back in 2002. And that is that we would pass along knowledge and information along with never forgetting the history and the tradition of our great sport. Well, we have featured many stars from the past. And as we always answer all emails, several listeners have requested hearing from one of the greatest of all time. So this superstar has been with us many times, and he's a real fan favorite. He's a charter member of the PBA, was one of the first eight to be inducted into the PBA Hall of Fame. He's won tournaments around the world and is easily recognized as the greatest entertainer and bowler the bowling world has ever known. So, Phantom fans, let's get him out here. Here's the great Carmen Salvino. Hello, Carmen. Hey, Lenny. How you doing, babe? I'm doing good. You gave me all that buildup and everything and this and that, but you didn't tell the people you need me to get your ratings back up. (laughs) You know, uh, Jim Dressel, your old buddy, told me, he says, it's over the holidays. Your ratings are probably down. You better get Salvino in there because I remember him saying that one time. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I said that to you about five or six years ago. I think I mentioned it to you two or three times. That's for my ego. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I think you're probably right because we got this email going out a few weeks ago and I told everybody that uh, send me your emails and questions and whatnot. And I got about five people out of about 100 emails I got requesting you. And then I said, give me some questions that you'd like Carmen to answer. So I've got some questions for you, Parts. 
So are you ready? Well, lay it on me. I'm ready to rock and roll. All right. Well, first of all, my boss, Chris Chartrand, said to wish you a happy new year. He has followed you for 50 years, and you're wow. one of his all-time favorites. So he wants to know if you're doing okay. I'm doing fine. I I had some health problems. I'm 89 years old now. But you know what? I'm the kind of guy that I don't let that stuff bother me. Lenny, you know that. I just move on, and I'm still kicking, and that's why I'm doing shows at this time. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, and our followers appreciate it. So let's get going with this. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we sent over 2,000 emails out to our email list, telling that you were going to be on and asking them to ask some questions. So here's the first one. And we've got several of them, but here's one from Nancy Lopez from Tucson, Arizona. She says, Mr. Salvino, did you ever get approached from Hollywood to be in the movies because of your handsome good looks? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. The first thing comes to my mind right now is I should have hired him. <laughs> Anybody who could speak that highly about me could be my agent. So how much money does he need? I'm still available. Well, actually, it, it's a lady. Her name was Nancy. And I called her back and I said, why would you say something like that? It's going to embarrass him. And she said, well, she saw a lot of the old time movies. And you reminded her of Valentino. So that's a compliment, Parts. Well, that was very nice. And you know what? I was in one movie. The PBA made a movie. It went to all the theaters. And I went to New York to promote it and everything. But the movies is not my way of life. My way of life is talking to people, real people, and real language and touching hands and just enjoying making people laugh. And another thing about me, a lot of people know that know me real well. I like to tease people and, and check their reaction. But you know what? I had a couple situations where it was reversed, where somebody got me and caught my reactions. <laughs> and my, my wife is one of them. My wife's in the Hall of Fame for bowling in Illinois, and she bowled me when we were single three times and beat me. And I said, look, you're costing me my fan uh, people, and I, if you keep this up, I'm not going to talk to you. She looked me right in the eye and said, you promise? <laughs> that was a zinger. Now right. I'm going to give you one other zinger. Okay. I was going to a restaurant in Illinois here and I made friendship with a young man that was working there and he we would kid each other back and forth like I tell you so Halloween came and the next day I was eating at the restaurant one day after Halloween my little buddy walks by me and says you know what Halloween's over you can take off your mask wow <laughs> But I love it. You know, you, if you can't take it, baby, don't give it out. Boy, ain't that the truth? You know, that was one thing about them days out there on the road. You know, you give it and you take it, and it's a lot of fun. And I sure miss it. But 
Here, here's another one from one of our loyal listeners. Uh, his name is Paul DeRoso, and he says, Spook, what is your recollection of the famous Shades Bowling Academy in Albany, New York? Well, first of all, our right-handed leg bowler was right foot Lou Camp. He won the first one. Yeah. Carmen Salvino won the second one. And the third one, they were selling pizzas. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> because the Italians were winning. Yeah. But anyway, Lou Cappy was a very unusual uh, type bowler. A lot of us did not appreciate the science that he was bowling with at the time he did. He put a thumb hole in the middle of the ball, and he put two fingers on one side and two fingers on the other side. He had five holes on his ball, and according to the lane conditions, he would change his grip. If he wanted more hook, he he bowled with the ball that had more pitch. If he wanted to roll the ball, he bowled with the side that was smoother and come out of his hand a lot easier that way. But he was way ahead in science of the game. People wow. didn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, we used to call him Wrongfoot Louie. You know what he told us one day? What? He said, all the guys bowl off the left leg. I bowl off the right leg. I, I'm the right bowler. You guys are all learning how to bowl. <laughs> <laughs> See, the reason why you do that, he did that, he came from Italy, and he played bocce. Okay. It's an Italian game where you throw the ball against the ball and all that. And you bowl that off the right leg because you need the power of the right leg to get to go through the dirt and push the ball that far. Wow. <laughs> See, yeah, so he, there, was a, there was a reason why he bowled off the – that's why he had natural talent off the right leg. Yeah, that, sounds, that made sense to me. All right, here's another one. This is from Charles. He didn't put his last name down, but he says, I heard that you were a teenage star in the tough Chicago leagues back before the PBA started in the 50s. Uh, can you name a few of those stars before the PBA started? Yes. Uh, we had a local TV show before the national and all that. And there was guys like Buddy Bomar, Ned Day, Eddie Koalix. I can go on and on. Uh, and Eddie Koalix was in a, a guy that really used to break me up. Uh, I was on his team for one year, and then the following year he decided he wanted to bowl on another team, and he shot 299 on a Monday, and I didn't see him till the league on Tuesday. I said, Eddie, what what what'd you leave up? He said, I left a solid five. I said, well, how could you do that? He said, the pin boy lighted a match for a cigarette. The, the glare got in my eye. I flinched and left a five pin. <laughs> These guys, years ago, nobody ever bowled bad. There was a reason for it. <laughs> I love it. You know, you got some of the greatest stories of all time. You know, there there was another fellow. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where and when, but uh, you know him well. And he's been a sponsor of my show for a little while. He has a special announcement he wanted me to make. Uh, he's come out with a 
one-of-a-kind souvenir, and it's a brand-new Glenn Allison 900 shirt. And he says he, you can enjoy a discount from Phantom Radio if you order it. And this shirt has an image of Glenn on it saying, 900, I did it. So call his friend and manager, Jerry Hale, to order it at 714-309-7587. And be sure to mention Phantom Radio uh, for your discount. Uh, do you have a, a quick story about Glenn? Well, you know, I, I was on his radio show. In fact, not long ago, we talked on the phone. and It must have been 20 years since we talked off and on and that's the kind of relationships that I've, I've had with people all my life because it's not a matter of hello and then i'll see you later buddy it's hello and we'll be talking for as long as you want to talk yeah for sure i mean and and we could do this show for hours and hours and weeks and all that but i got some more questions for you and i don't want to miss them but uh, this is from a fellow named Leroy Chen. He's from Biloxi, Mississippi, and he says, Carmen, you have perhaps bowled in more top 24 matches in PBA history. Who was your toughest opponent? Let me explain something about if you want to be great at anything. Here's what I used to do. I'd look in the mirror. And I would talk to myself and I'd get get angry with myself and tell myself, you've got to start being a better brain and you, you've got to get your style, go out and practice and bowl three or four hours. And I would just chew myself out in the, in the uh, first mirror. Then if I went to the television show and I won, then the second mirror, that was my favorite bowler. If I lost, I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> wow. But anyway, Dick Weber was my favorite bowler. I, I, I honestly could say this. I never thought that anybody was a tough bowler. I always practiced and made myself as good as I could. And if I didn't win, then I, my, I had more work to do. But I, I didn't. I never bowled relative to the other guy. I bowled relative to myself. Boy, that's a good point. You know, looking yourself in the mirror, and yeah, I think you mentioned this to me before. Uh, I said, "Who's the best bowler you ever saw?" You said, "You." <laughs> so I loved it. And that's a that's a great answer. It makes sense in all the sense in the world. <laughs> okay. Here's another one. Uh, I don't know if you remember this guy or not, but his name is Hal Monahan. He's from Vegas, and he says he watched and admired you for years and years. But he thought that your act of hitching your pants, looking around, looking back at the crowd was just an act. But one time, he showed up at the showboat early, uh, 4 o'clock in the morning, he went to uh, – this of gambling and he came down to the bowling center and you were the only guy out there at seven o'clock in the morning practicing and you were all alone and he saw you doing all the same antics that he thought was your act but that's the way you were is that true now, see here's what happened 
you know who the guy was? Johnny Petraglia. He came to Chicago. He was sitting in the lounge with the guy that owned the bowling center. And there was nobody bowling because the, the lane had had not opened. It was still too early. I was in there early from like 7 o'clock in the morning practicing. And I'm putting my hands by my hips and I'm doing this. And Johnny says to the owner of the bowl, who the hell is that? What's, <laughs> what's going on? They walked out there, and there I am doing my act because I'm. I see everybody says it's an act, but for me it's a refle- reflection, uh, uh, to a reaction I should say to what I did. If I threw the ball really super, I would give it to my hands to my side and bow to my public. But if I threw a bad ball, I'd put my head down and be punching my hands and all that. But you know what? That's When I bowled, I, everything I did was an emotion to react to what the ball did. When I bowled, this was hard for people to believe, but the ball was like music to me. When it went down the lane, it was a concert, and when it hit that pocket, and splattered them all. That was a crescendo. So when I didn't do that, that was a bad act. <laughs> well, you know, that that makes sense. You know, there's a lot of these geniuses that see things differently than the average person. And there's no question, for as all those years you bowled, in order to be as successful as you were for all those years, you had to be a genius. So uh, you don't even have to say thank you because I'm not the only one that's ever thought that. But here's another one, okay? Uh, this is from Josh, J-O-S-H, Williams. He said he was at the PBA school in the 80s, and you were the guest speaker. He says, and you did push-ups that are beyond description. Uh, please explain to the listeners exactly what you did with those push-ups. Well, what happened, I was speaking to a group of people that were interested in exercise, and they asked me what kind of exercise would really be the best for bowling. I said, well, your wrist, because if you you have a weak wrist, you're never going to put the rotation on the ball that you would if you had a strong wrist. So they said, well, what kind of exercise should I do for my wrist? I said, you got to do push-ups. He said, the guy will said yelled out right away, fingertip push-ups are too tough to do. I said, wait a minute, that's for wimps. I'm talking <laughs> about doing push-ups on your wrist <laughs> with the palms up. So the guy said, who are you kidding? Ain't nobody could do that. So I went down and did 10 quick ones for him. I said, now, Wimp, get up here and show me some something that you got. And, and another time, I used to do that at the PBA tournament. I get the two strongest guys, and the two, when I got to the speech of, of exercise, yeah. I put one on one side and one on the other. But I never told anybody that I'm going to admit it right now. I would get two guys with big upper bodies, and and I would never pick a skinny guy that didn't have a big upper body, because if you're going to do push-ups on your wrist, the bigger your upper body is, you're not going to do it. 
I would do it, and I tell these two guys get down, and they go, oh, they start crying about their wrists. I said, you wimps, get back up and go back and sit down. <laughs> well, I, I so can vouch for some. Go ahead. Many, I used to pick on those guys when I did the speech. I was a guest speaker for the PBA. Yeah. That was one of my biggest fun times in my life. And then the two, then the guys would get through with the school and keep me up to two o'clock in the morning talking. Oh, but that I was, never. That was a beautiful time in my life. Not only that, uh, I was there. I, I used to do that thing myself at lunchtime. They'd all gather around you. You could barely have enough uh, time to eat your lunch. Then after it was over, you were in the bar uh, or a little room off to the side, and you had all those guys there. So like you say, 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, telling stories, giving them advice. Uh, you were just wonderful. Those guys never forgot that either, my friend. Well, you know, I uh, let me say this. It was a gift for me, too, as, as, as it was a gift for them because – Lenny, I learned something. First of all, let me correct something real quick. I never drank for 89 years that I'm old. I never smoked. So when I went in the bar, yeah. I would always be talking to people. And the strongest thing I would do is drink a ginger ale because my sponsor told me, drink a ginger ale so it looks like it's, <laughs> it's a <laughs> shot of whiskey or something, you know? <laughs> But anyway, yeah. Lenny, I learned something from my my teacher. I had a mentor, and I want to pass this out to the people right now. The why I did things. What happened? My mentor was a genius that had 186 IQ. Whoa! And he was teaching me how to bowl in my late 30s by the laws of physics. And one day I asked him a question and he said, I'm not going to answer it. Your daughter's in college now. Go get her physics book and start reading it. So I read it. And that's how I got my first three patents in physics because that man told me that I had to start studying. His answer was, Carmen, I pass on information. That is my job. Because God has been good to me, and I must keep the chain moving, he said, because someone always helped me. He says, and Carmen, as you get older and you learn more, it's your duty to pass this chain of knowledge on and make somebody's life better because you always say, I made your life better, and he did. So you need to do that for someone, and then somebody needs to do that. And to keep going and go through the whole world, do things to make other people happy and make their life better, no matter what way it is. And I never forgot that. That's why think, people think a lot of times I'm, being, I'm acting, but I'm trying to make people's life better by making them laugh, smile, ask questions and maybe I could educate them a little more on the, whatever subject it may be, this philosophy, whatever it may be. So now I'll tell you a quick story about philosophy. People don't know I write philosophy. 
People don't know I got three patents in physics. People don't know I did chemistry for three major companies for 20, for one for seven and a half years. But here's what I learned. Pass on the knowledge. I'm sitting in the car. I want to give you a perfect example. I'm sitting in a coffee shop. My wife is going up to get the coffee. And this guy says, isn't that Carmen Salvinos? He said, she said, yeah, that's him. Oh, my God. He goes like that. She says, well, go talk to him. Go say hello to him, you know, because he didn't know I would, I would be the, he never came to the tour. So he goes over to the table and he starts talking to me and we're talking and talking. And he says to me, you know something? I never talked this long to my wife. <laughs> I got nervous. I said, I hope this guy's straight. <laughs> so anyway, I started teaching him philosophy. This is five years later. He makes me look like an amateur, but I'm so proud of him. Every day, my phone rings. Karma, I got a new one for you. I said to my wife, it's all your fault. This guy's a maniac now. Said, He's always calling me, but I tease him. I said, man, I got to blame my wife for this. She said, I never introduced you. But see, that's life. That's, to me, that's fun. We have coffee together now. We became friends. That's awesome. I have coffee with him, and I have coffee with a professor that's a biochemist. And this guy knows everything about politics. It's unbelievable. You know, I, I, I was out there bowling. I wasn't studying politics. So one day I had a real great day in bowling. So the next morning I'm going over to have coffee with the guy, the biochemist, the professor, and he's talking about politics. I'll, he's giving me all the statistics of what we used to have, where we're at, we're going backwards. I said to Mark's his name, I said, Mark, before I came to sit and had coffee, I was so thrilled. I bowled so good yesterday. I heard, I heard all the things were in trouble with the country. Now I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I said, for now, let me bowl. Forget the politics. Well, you've always been a teacher. You've always been an entertainer. Uh, you've got so much knowledge in there. You know, Carm, I got to have you back on the show more often. So I'm looking at the yeah. clock. We're way over time, but that's fine okay. with me. What I'm going to do Lenny, is... Lenny, always add that I'm a student as a teacher. I will always be a student. I will never learn enough of my life to please me. I have to keep learning. I'm 89 years old. I'm thinking right now of a new grip for the bowling ball. At 89, I said to my wife, I got this figured out now. I'm 89. I got a whole year before I'm 90, and then I'm going to make a comeback. Oh. I got this new grip. She looked at me and says, there's the door. <laughs> oh, well, I, I love that. I, I, I don't want anybody to be a yes man or yes woman. If you got something to say to me and it's better than what I got, give it to me. Because <laughs> I'll probably use it. <laughs> well, listen, I, I got to go, but I'm going to tell my sponsors I'm going to double up next week because we don't have time to do the sponsors at the closing. But I want to have you back on, and I want to wish you a happy new year, my friend. 
Well, Happy New Year to you, your family, and all the people listening and to their family. Not only Happy New Year, God bless all of you. And I hope that next year or before that, we can talk again. Oh, I hope so too, Carm. So I'm going to stay in touch with you, and uh, God bless you, my friend. Thank you for being on. Thank you, Lenny. We'll be friends forever. Call me anytime. All right. I love you, buddy. Bye-bye. Love you, too. Take care. When you're down and troubled And you need some love and care And nothing, well, nothing is going right Close your eyes and think of me Soon I